Good afternoon, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you might be. Welcome to Atlanta Discourse. This is our episode for the week. This is season three, episode seven. We're talking about Yusuf Dati Baba Ahmed. Everybody has been asking, who is Yusuf Dati Baba Ahmed? That's why the title for this episode is, who is Yusuf Dati Baba Ahmed? You know, he's not particularly a rookie. He's been there for a while. He's paid his dues, but people don't know too much about him so that's why we're dedicating this episode to Yusuf Dati Baba Ahmed you know so he's not uh, he's not a newbie he's not a rookie like I said so we're just going to look at him his early life his ancestry political career academic career business and everywhere he's coming from we need to look at what this guy is he's a firebrand no doubt he's, he's really slaying stereotype breaking barriers you know he's He's not acting like the typical Aousa Fulani run-of-the-mill kind of guy, you know. He he seems to have his hands filled with a lot of, you know, <laughs> bulls and arrows. Like he's just wanting to shoot. And he said a lot of panic down, down a lot of our spines already, especially from people in the opposition party, the, the APC, who are still basking in the euphoria of their... Of their victory in the presidential election, but Yusuf is telling them he's not Uru yet. Don't 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 start celebrating. There's actually nothing to celebrate. And he has said the president of Nigeria, that's Mohamed Bari, should not dare to sway in. You know, he should not even attempt to sway in the new president elect. So, but we are still on Atlanta discourse. I'm still your host, your friend, your moderator. Call me whatever you want. My name remains Ade Balogun. And, you know, here we just go for the fact we embrace all facets of humanity to disseminate positive news in a world filled with a lot of bad news. We give a voice to the unheard always. We balance the information equation without any provocation. Such and discuss the fact wherever it leads. We combine the best of the human race to give the best out of mankind. We serve as a bridge between the developing and the developed world. We embrace business, art, sports, IT, health, history, and faith-based issues. And we don't shy away from the fact. So, let's cut the chase. Yusuf Baba Ahmed, born 7th of July 1969. He's a Nigerian economist and a politician. You know, he has served as a senator for Kaduna North from 2011 to 2012. And a member of the House of Representatives from 2003 to 2007. I'm sure a lot of you don't know that. But he was a member of the uh, lower house as the House of Rep. Now a member of the Labour Party, he was the party's vice presidential nominee in the 2023 presidential election alongside presidential candidate Peter B. You all know that, you know, that's not bad. I just have to, you know, break it down properly because I got too many calls. Who is this guy? Where is he from? Has he been there? Some got it right, something got it right, something with wrong information, something with partially false, partially true. So this episode is just to break it down. Who that is Baba Ahmed So like I said... He's been senator from 2011 to 2012. That's not a four-year tenure, so I'll break down down later into why it's like that, why it wasn't up to a particular time. So, from the prominent Baba Ahmed family of Zaria, that's where he's from. Baba Ahmed graduated from the University of Meduguri. After schooling, he worked in business, banking, industry for so many years before entering politics. Baba Ahmed was elected 
like I said, into the House of Representatives from Zaria, that's his federal constituency, you know, in 2003. So while he was in that position, he became known for speaking out against corruption and the total agenda of then President Olusegun Obasanjo. So after leaving office in 2007, Baba Ahmed continued advocating for good governance while returning to his base business. That's the name of his corporate group, base. You know, there's also a Bayes University. So Bayes Business Group in and he founded the Bayes University. So by 2011, he found the school. He moved back into politics again in that particular 2011 and successfully ran for senator for Cardinal North, which Zaria falls under. However, the Electoral Tribunal overturned his victory and he left office in 2012, which was what I was trying to explain earlier on that. That's why his tenure in the Senate was 2011 to 2012 it wasn't a full a full term so he defeated initially uh, former governor of Kaduna state Ahmed McCaffrey but subsequently the tribunal overturned his victory and he had to spend just a year and a couple of months in the senate so then after an unsuccessful presidential campaign in 2019 in the PDP primaries, Baba Ahmed joined the Labour Party in 2022 to become Peter Obey's running mate. So clearly you can see that it's not a new guy per se, you know. So his early life, Yusuf uh, Dati Baba Ahmed was born in the Baba Ahmed family, like I said, in Zaria in 1969. He's among the 33 children of his father, that's Baba Ahmed, the legendary Baba Ahmed, who was an Arab cattle trader from the modern-day Mauritania, who later became a notable scholar and expert on Islamic jurisprudence. So, you know, they've said it before, Fanika Odia said it, that it's from Mauritania, his ancestry is from Mauritania, it's not in Nigeria. Well, well, that's not relevant right now because he has been in the House of Rep, he has been in the Senate, and there are a lot of people that have even held political office in Nigeria as high as that of the president that are not even Nigeria. Even the current president, it's been said to be from uh, Niger, but I mean, even if it's not, it's from Dara. Dara is a border town between Niger and Chad. So clearly has relationship and family members across the border, something he has not disputed himself. So Baba Ahmed has a BSc and MSc in economics from the University of Maiduguri in Bornu State. So he worked in the Nigerian Security and Meeting PLC. That's the main the company that prints all Nigeria's money. Uh, in, in Lagos before entry politics also. So in 2006, while a federal, as a federal representative, he earned the title of Doctor of Philosophy when he completed his PhD studies at the University of Westminster. So, so he, he has a PhD, that's Doctor of Philosophy. So politically, Baba Ahmed, like I said, he was elected in 2003 to the Federal House of Representatives for Zaria Federal Constituency, that's in Cardinal State. He ran under the umbrella of the All Nigerian People's Party, AMPP. So even from the little I've said, you can see that he has he has done he has been in PDP, he has been in AMPP, even in CPC, because the Senate election he was was under the auspices of the CPC. Baba Ahmed was popular for his principled activism. During the administration of President Obasanjo, he was among the lawmakers who opposed letting Obasanjo run for a third term. In May 2006, he said clearly that he would not even run unless action was taken to investigate allegations that members have been bribed to support the constitutional change needed for a third term, something he clearly called unconstitutional. So in 2007, he took the Independent National Electoral Commission to court the popular INEC. You know, so it took them to court over a conduct of past election. Baba Ahmed contested and won the Kaduna North 
federal senatorial election in 2011 under the Congress of Progressive Change. That's CPC. That's Boris Party at that time. So that's why I said earlier on that it's been in PDP, it's been in CPC, it's been in AMPP. All of a sudden, it's in Labour Party. So he's not a new V per se. A lot of us might not have heard him about him, but now we know. So which was then President Boris Party, like I said, the election was challenged at the court by the candidate of the PDP, which led to Ahmed's controversial victory being obtained. So in 2018, it ran unsuccessfully for the presidential ticket of the People's Democratic Party. So this buttresses my point again. So in 2022, he pulled out as a gubernatorial aspirant in the People's Democratic primaries in 2003, you know, for the election to be cardinal governor. So. Citing his refusal to buy delegate votes as his reason, so which also shows his principal stance, you know, that he's anti-corruption, he just has zero tolerance for things like that. And clearly, he was against the total bid of Ambassador, which was one of the things that gave him prominence at an issue. But a lot of people from the South do not know him. That's why we're dedicating this episode to him. So, on the 8th of July 2022, he was nominated as a vice presidential candidate of the Labour Party in the 2003 general election. So, clearly we know, you know, I mean, speaking at an Islamic media forum in Abuja in September 2008, Baba Ahmed called on journalists to fearlessly submit accurate reports. He said corruption in the country is endemic. Special prayers and determination from all stakeholders are needed to, corrupt, to correct the situation. Those are his exact words. So Baba Ahmed became the managing director of Based Research and uh, Data Services Limited. Baba Ahmed was the founder and pro-chancellor of Bayes University, an independent university based in Abuja, in the Federal Capital Territory, Nigeria, which was allegedly said to be the most expensive university in Nigeria, opened in April 2011. Citing his studies abroad as a benchmark, he said that the Nigerian educational system was appalling, and this has inspired him to, you know, to start the Bayes University. So that is Akim Baba Ahmed in a nutshell. So a quick summary of what we said. He has been in the House of Representatives, you know, for between 2004 to 2007. He was a senator 2011 to 2012, cut short when, even though he won the election, the tribunal overturned it and Ahmed McAfee, the PDP candidate, was running. He attempted to be governor of Kaduna State and because he could not, you know, bribe a delegate, so to say, he, he pulled out of it, you know, that was in 2019. And also he tried to run for president and they also worked out. So he has transgressed the CPC, started from the AMPP, CPC, subsequently PDP, now Labour Party. So Akim Baba Ahmed, that's it. And he, he clearly has Mauritanian heritage, you know, that's where his father came from, you know, and it's, it's a public domain. Well, a lot of us might not know, but that's where it's from. But it's not, it's not a biggie. I mean, there are a lot of migrants everywhere. I live in the United States, I'm Nigeria born. So there are migrants everywhere. It's not a big deal. We know the mayor of London is Pakistan. The prime minister of the of, of UK today is Indian. And the guy that, that, is just, that just did something extraordinary in Scotland, you know, he's also of, of, of Asian heritage. I've forgotten his name. So these things are not really, you can't use that against him. So... I mean, like I said, that is who he is. But what really made people start asking who this guy is? He granted that interview on Channel's News recently to Shinwa Kibaloi and he was saying, well, the president was not swaying the, the president-elect of APC, that the election was rigged. Well, that's, that's what a lot of people are saying, but then they're already in tribunal and, and all that. So there, there are a lot of issues around that. So we're going to look at 
what really transpired in that interview, why people really want to know where this firebrand Yusuf Dati Baba Ahmed is from. So I think maybe where I should start from it that when during that interview was asked a very, very straightforward question and you know by Shewe Okibaloy of channels. And the question was, uh, what's his opinion or the outcome of the you know of the presidential election? Listen to what he said. Sad, unfortunate, tragic. All promises that were made dashed, failed, hopes dashed. On a Wednesday before that Saturday, we attended the signing ceremony in which the INEC chairman so bravely spoke and in which uh, Mr. President also spoke. We should have known better, we always know better. But when you are dealing with authority, you have and you are no abiding citizen, your only option is to continue to have hope. But we've been having hopes for eight years now. Promise after promise was uh, failed. They promised Beavers will work on Wednesday. They switched it off on Saturday. They promised electronic transmission on Wednesday. They failed it on Saturday. Mr. President said all he could, but all we have to do is to look at their uh, antecedents and just come out and say the truth. These are people who just practically do not even know what they are promising. They promised better security for Nigeria. Eight years now have not been able to. Better economy, no. Uh, fight corruption, Nigeria is the most corrupt era for Nigeria now. And therefore, if they fail to deliver the credible elections that they promised, it should come as little wonder to us. However, they are still calling it a credible election, which reinforces my belief that, clinically speaking, they don't even know what they are doing. They just say things in the air. Credibility, they have honor, they have zero honor, they say they have honor. They force people to say that they are leaving behind a legacy. What legacy are you leaving behind with all the policy that Nigeria is in? That is my view. But let's keep that aside and go to what is really facing Nigeria now, if you would. Can I go ahead? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, I'd like to just get... So that's him. You can see clearly that he's a firebrand. He went straight for the jugular. He clearly said it in his own words. He said it. That's my view. And the fortunate thing for him there is that a lot of people do share that same view with him, you know. They think that the INEC misled the country. They told people that the election would be free and fair. What he was clearly saying there was that if they had known that INEC wasn't as sincere as they were pretending to be, they too would have been ready, you know, for all the violence and all that. But, you know, but that's that. So there were other questions that were asked, you know, which, I mean, this is about Baba Ahmed anyway. So he said expectation from the petition at the tribunal. That, that was a, another question that was asked him by the guy that interviewed him about what is the expectation of your party at the tribunal. Let's hear him. Don't we always um, finish qualifying what we're saying? When you say we came third, we came third according to the results released by INEC. Yes. In reality, we came first uh, with the data, with the collated results on IREV and uh, with our agents and everything that we have. Have you collected that? We have. Yes, yes. What are the figures telling you? We, 
Did you hear? He said they won the election. The guy asked him. He said, based on INEX tabulation result release, Labour Party came third. But he said emphatically that yes, that was INEX own tabulation. But the figures they have, they came first. And I mean, it's one of the things he said subsequently after that was that they 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 had about eight million plus, nine million plus, something within that range, about nine million plus, and that by the time deductions are made. That some of their votes were stolen and given to the APC. That by the time deductions were will be made by the partition tribunal, that votes will be deducted from that of the APC, PDP, and added to Labour Party. And he gave examples of states like Lagos. He said in Lagos they were given uh, almost 600 votes, but they know that they had in the region of roughly 900,000 to 1 million votes. He said that's that's a clear. 500,000 already. Now, the issues of the issue of River State is there, something a lot of us can attest to, really, that you know that the Labour Party was wrong. But this guy, what makes him a firebrand? Why people are now trying to find out who he really is that he just went for the juggler and just said it in a way most Nigerian politicians will not because of fear of government persecution and what what have you. What I've heard is that, well, if it was Peter B himself that said that, I probably would have been arrested. I, I might agree to a large extent, maybe not in all entirety. Because it's from Zaria, it's a, it's a northerner, it's well embedded in the oligarchy structure, the Ausafula and the oligarchy structure. So it's not just a, a nobody, you know. He, he has brothers, he's from a very large family, he's well known. So he, he, he has some semblance of immunity, is what most people are trying to say. So when they asked what the law says on who is to be declared president of Nigeria, you know, because he was saying that even the guy that has been declared is not qualified. So let's listen to what he has to say on that. Before suggest and uh, put to Nigeria, no, not suggest, provide. He uh, provides yeah. what Nigerians should think about when they are electing a leader and, and the office of the president. And he talks about. No, showing you're wrong. You're wrong. It's not what they should say uh, when they are electing a leader. Section 134 stipulates who to be declared an issued certificate of return. It is only that candidate that has scored the uh, highest number of votes and at least 25% in uh, each in at least two-thirds percent to two-thirds of the states of the federation and the federal capital territory. Right. Remember, I thought you were going to say something different from what I was going to No, no, no. Each. <laughs> and now it is very clear Tinubu does not have 25% in the FCT. We. Did you hear that? He said the president elect declared by INEC does not have 25% of. The vote cast. Well, that is true based on what INEC has told us. It's it's not it's not spurious talk. It's not gibberish. It's, it it is a fact, and it is clear. We've all read the constitution. The constitution actually says that whoever should be declared president elect should have twenty five. Apart from having the majority vote, should have twenty five percent in two third of the state and the FCT. And there was a court judgment in two thousand and eight that actually involved. The current incumbent president Muhammadu Buhari, you know, and and the, the Supreme Court ruled at that time that you don't add Abuja to the states; that it's an Abuja, it's an entity of its own. It's a federal, it's a federal protectorate, a federal 
league governed state. The president is like the governor of Abuja. The federal uh, legislative arm is like the the state legislative arm for that uh, for that Abuja. So and that's why the capital is so. It is said that it should be two third, twenty five percent of two third of thirty six, which is twenty four, and the FCT. That's what the law says. So now, when he went further to explain what he meant on the twenty five percent and what have you, so let's let's listen to him again. What is your interpretation of this provision? Because some other people argue differently. Those who have argued differently ended up helping our case because they say that there is a certain ruling which says the FCT is a state. Good, FCT is a state. Where is the each of 25% for FCT. It is not there. That constitutional requirement has not been met. That certificate of return is null and void and cannot be sworn in as president. And let me tell you, the way they are going, disregarding the calls of the people, violating the constitution, let them even go ahead, even if they swear in Tinubushetima on 29th of May. They are swearing in an unconstitutional government. Nothing will change it. Um, I am not a careless, reckless speaker. I am working with the constitution there, that document right you just read. I'm following it. And I dare to tell you that swearing in Tinimbo and Shetima is as good as swearing in the Nigerian army on 29th of May. If you swear in uh, people that have not satisfied the requirement, you have by so doing ended democracy. The crisis I'm telling you now is that this our democracy is going to end by the way we are going. This democracy is going to end on the 29th of May 2023. Please write it. Those are you know my So you heard him, you heard him, you heard him. This guy is a firebrand, man. He is a firebrand. Now, I, I like I said before, I've spoken to a lot of people, I've spoken to lawyers. Now, the constitution is, is is clear on it. The Supreme Court has ruled on it. The the INEC, in my own opinion, in Atlanta discourse, we, we also looked at it, you know, you know, empirically. That's our word. We always look at things empirically. We look at it in details. We spoke to lawyers. And it is clear that any president-elect of the Federal Republic of Nigeria should have at least 25% of the vote cast in the FCT. Now, whether that law is fair or unfair is a completely different argument. Whether it should be in the Constitution or not is a completely different argument. But it is sacrosanct that that is what the Constitution says. So, I think actually rushed to, to declare Bolatin Umbu and, and I don't know why they did it. Now, I don't know what's going to happen between now and May 29. I really don't even know what's going to happen after that. Because right now, for me, I'm actually also confused because nobody really knows. So I suspect that some people will go to court to ask for interpretation. There have been a lot of soothsayers, a lot of men of God that have said all sorts of things, telling government, food, blah. I don't know about that. I want peaceful Nigeria. I want things to be done properly. And if it has to be done properly, the constitution has to be followed. That election, like you all know, was a lot of sharp. It's, it's arguably the worst we've had. From Fedeco to Necon to Nec, all the names we've called it. We've had directors and chairman of electoral committee in Nigeria, of the commission in Nigeria that really 
went below the bar, I'm very responsible. But this guy, Yakubu, I don't know, has really, really, really messed things up for us, you know. That's why we're in this. And this guy is saying it. He's saying it that whatever certificate of return was given to the president-elect is a dot check. That's what he's saying. That because they did not fulfill the minimum requirement to be declared winner. So now, even the former attorney general, Aoudouaka, has said that, yeah, that he doesn't know if the Supreme Court will come with another ruling, but we do need... It's a bad precedent anyway. So, like I said, if that law is unfair, that's a completely different argument, but that's what's in the Constitution. And that Baba Ahmed has gone for the juggler. That's why everybody wants to know who is that Baba Ahmed. You know, now I'm talking about him. He's a fantastic guy, erudite scholar, no doubt. Well-read, you know, went to University of Maiduguri, has PhD, Doctor of Philosophy. So... Eminently qualified to be vice president, and he has a lot in common with Obi. You know, he, he, he has his own company, a data analysis company, he has his own university. They say it's the most expensive quality university. So, that guy really knows his onions. He didn't just spring up from nowhere. He has a fantastic heritage. He's a Zaria boy through and through. He has won election as a congressman in the lower house, in the Senate, even though he was uptown. So, he has run for governor, we pulled out, attended run for president, pulled out. So, the pedigree is there. He's it's, it's, it's very educated. So, we can't write it on. So, we're going to leave it at that. We're going to wait for what's going to come in the future. It's, these are very interesting times for Nigeria. Extremely interesting and scary times also. Now, the constitution is clear. But Nigerians don't trust the judiciary. The judiciary in Nigeria have been seen to be dilly-dallying, you know, with the law. The governor of Imo State is a fantastic example. The guy came forth in the election. For some reason, they brought him forth to be governor. That issue, it's, it's really haunting the country. The current Senate president was never a contestant in the primary to represent his senatorial district was brought in through the back door by the Supreme Court. So now there's pressure on the country. Now when there's pressure on the country, there's pressure on the executive, there's pressure on the uh, electoral commission, there's pressure on the judiciary, there's pressure everywhere. And things like this actually lead to instability. That's just the truth. Because for Bola Tinumbu, I have a lot of sympathy for him all of a sudden because this mandate he had is just he just got about one third of the vote cast. Obi got about one third of the vote cast. And Atiku another one third. So and if you look at it, Atiku is from the north, Tinumbu is from the southwest, Obi is Igbo. So those are the three tripods that, that governs the country. When you're talking of majority tribe, that's the the Awusa Fulani in the north, the Igbos in the southeast, the Yorubas in the southwest. So like each of the core presidential aspirants is representing each of those zones. So, these things have to be properly managed. I do think the president, that's the Buhari, is doing a horrible job. And he, he, he's not acting above board. He's not acting professional. There's no state maliness in his demeanor, candor, body language. Even his utterances are, you know, I doubt if he will have any major legacy by the time he's gone. The economy is, is, is diving every day. He's going to leave almost a 70 trillion debt for whoever is going to take over from him. But on this, I'm not going to stake anything. I'm not going to put anything on the crystal ball because this is new. It's new. I'm not, normally, Atlanta discuss, I'll come up with a prediction. But this time, I, I cannot because I've tried. I've looked at it. I am not even sure what's going to happen. Some have said there could be a coup. It is not impossible to have a coup. Some have said there could be interim government. It, there's a very strong likelihood. Okay, who is going to head it? Some say Oshibajo, some say Senate President. 
These things are, they could be anybody. The constitution allows it. We've had doctrine of necessity in the past. So these things are not impossible. Will Balati Bimbo be sworn in? Yes, he can also be sworn in. You know, he, he may, he was looking like the, the APC, knowing them for who they are, they ram it through, you know. But at the end of the day, there'll be a lot of credibility crisis. Baltimore already has a lot of baggage. And whether we like it or not, whether you support him or not, you should have sympathy for him. Because eventually, when he becomes president, it's, if he's going to be there for four years, there's a lot of distraction for him, you know, a lot. And Nigeria clearly does not need that right now. We need someone that will kick the ground running from day one, someone that knows his left from the right, no health challenges, no academic or drug-related challenges, nothing. Just go and get the job done because Nigeria is bleeding. Nigeria is on life support right now. We will be lying to ourselves if we allow tribal and religious affinity to cloud our judgment. What that has said is very clear. The law says that if you do not have 25% of vote cast in the federal capital territory, which Tinubu and Atiko clearly don't have, then you are not eligible to be declared a president-elect. Like Obi said, the process must be seen to be, have been excellent. Clearly, that is not the case. So, it's a wrap there with Dati Baba, man. We've told you he is a great guy, erudite scholar. He has a very bright future, clearly, in politics. He's already on the map. Only God knows what will happen from now on, but we now know who he is. Take care. See you next week. Yeah, I have to apologize quickly. We're supposed to talk about Nigeria economy, whether Nigeria was a failed state or not. We're going to bring that episode next week. Just because I was inundated with too much. Because of who is this guy? Who is this guy? That's it, Baba. I mean, now we know who he is. So thank you. Peace out. God bless you all. That's a wrap. See you next week. Bye.